Out of the ashes you will rise. If you feel sad, lost, depressed, finances are in the gutter, social life, you're lonely, out of the ashes you will rise. Here in my garage, invest in yourself. Always be curious. Don't be a cynic. Sleeping on a couch in a mobile home with only $47 in my bank account. When everything's burnt to the ground, when you're sad, lost, and depressed, and everything's at rock bottom, you get to rebuild the exact and precise way you want the damn thing rebuilt. Health, wealth, love, happiness, each of these four goals. In case you missed the last episode, make sure you go back and check it out. Here's what went down. Who's a big status quo supporter? I gotta question your IQ. Do you have a fucking history book? Tell me the time that the status quo has been right. Galileo, these guys being like, ah, I don't think the world's flat. Well, we're gonna hang you or you can recant. So they had to recant. It's always wrong. It's always the pioneers. It's all that matters in this world. The masses have always opposed everything that's good in the world, unfortunately. Coming up today. When you go from nothing to billionaire status, you often go nothing, billionaire, back to nothing. A fool and his money are soon parting. Will you see in this thing now with Johnny Depp? And a new Johnny Depp suing his manager because he has no money and his managers are like, it's not our fault, it's yours. We told you to stop spending four million bucks a month. He was spending a hundred thousand a month on wine. A hundred, you know. So this is going to be called "Why You Don't Want to Become Too Successful Too Fast." Because a lot of people write me and they go, "Hey Ty, I got a billion dollar plan," and I'm like, "Billion dollar plan? Have you ever made a hundred thousand? No. Have you ever made a million? No. Have you ever made ten thousand? No." And I'm like, "Well, you got to ask yourself, do you really want to go from zero to a billion? Because..." And the duck agrees with me. <laughs> you really, what, what uh, Charlie Munger says is step by step you get ahead. So it's better to think of your life like steps. And when you try to jump from one step to another, you usually trip and fall and break your nose. There was a, one of my teachers in, in high school did that on stairs. He was carrying a whole bunch of books, tried to take a big step, boy fell, and he landed, I'll never forget, he did concrete on his nose. And that's like most people who jump too quickly. And my mentor, Alan Nation, used to say, it's better to creep forward than to try to leap forward. So just like a little bit at a time. And a good example of this, a friend of mine in Los Angeles, when I moved back to Hollywood, well, I moved to Hollywood. I, I was born in LA, but never went to Hollywood until 2000, mid 2000s. And I moved there and he had, <clears throat> he had sold a company for $18 million. But all of a sudden when I met him, he was back working again. And this guy was only about 27. And I was thinking, you make 18 million bucks, why are you back at a regular job? Well, what actually happened, someone later revealed to me. Made 18 million, taxes, capital gain, let's say 15%, 15-20%, lost 3 million to the IRS. You're gonna pay another, let's say, mil to California, actually more, 10% California, 1.8. So now you got two less. Let's say you're down to about 13 million. Then he bought some nice cars, lifestyle, spent a million bucks. Then he bought a house for a couple million bucks, two or three. So that's down to $9 million. A friend came to him and said, you want to invest in real estate? And this, if you've ever driven from LA to Vegas, there's a huge strip of desert. 
just nothing. And it's the weirdest town names. You ever seen those? They have like, the town starts X, Y, Z. It's like Z-Z-Z. So, what's it called? Z-Z-Z? X, Y, Z-Z-Y. Yeah, X, Y, Z-Z-Y. It looks like a, it's complicated or under, I don't know what how you pronounce your town, but I wouldn't want to be the mayor of that. What are you the mayor of? Z-Z-Z. The guy who came up with the name, he wanted to be the last address. Oh, he wanted to be the last address. Okay. Well, he's definitely the last address. He's also the most unknown person in the world. So my friend got convinced to invest like three million bucks there. So they put three million in this real estate. They're like, we need a little more money. The project's not done. Another three million. Next thing you knew, he had all his money tied up in this piece of land. Then 2008 hit, nobody moving, no real estate, everything died. The whole project disappeared, all his money up in smoke. And he has nothing now. I think he, you know, he probably still has some cars, a house, but go from 18 million to one million is not a good day. And the reason is because he hadn't had enough time to have money to to get ripped off a little bit with a smaller amount of money so that when you get a bigger amount of money, it doesn't happen to you. That's what'll happen. If you just try to make a hundred grand and then you live your life, trust me, somebody's gonna, well, the second you start make money, somebody's gonna convince you to lend them money. A friend, family member. What happened to MC Hammer? Another rapper that made a ton of money. All his friends came to him and MC Hammer, it sounds like he was a nice guy. I don't know the story, but starts lending out his money. It would have been better for MC Hammer to go from zero to making 300000 lend out some money to five friends, realize that when you lend money, it usually doesn't come back. And then when you make $100 million, people are like, hey, can I borrow some money? You're like, I already learned that lesson on a small amount of money. So when you go from nothing to billionaire status, you often go nothing, billionaire, back to nothing. A fool and his money are soon parted. That is an old proverb that is still true. So when you think about your success, pretty much try to think about it as first base, second base, third base, home run. There was a guy who used to play for the LA Dodgers. I won't say his name, but he was hated in LA. You guys know what I'm talking about? He don't play anymore for the Dodgers. Big star played three, four years ago. I know Craig knows. But one thing people hated about him is he would always swing for a damn home run. There you go. There you go. They know who I'm talking about. I don't like to call people out by name. But when the bases are loaded, right, the bases are loaded, first, second, third, and the score's tied, what do you want the hitter to do? Get one run, can you win? This dude was only out for glory, so he would swing, try to get a grand slam. But you don't need a grand slam. A grand slam is when you get four runs. But a lot of us, to be happy, you don't need a billion dollars. So why are you swinging for a billion? Bill Gates is a smart man, everybody agree? Very high IQ, probably up there at the Einstein level of IQ. He started at 12 and was a billionaire at 31. That's 19 years of hard work. So when I meet people be like, oh, I'll be a billionaire in 19 months, I'm like, let me get this straight. You're 10 times smarter than Bill Gates, right? Because it took him 19 years, but your ass is gonna be a, took Warren Buffett till he was 50. And Warren Buffett started at seven. So what's the rush? As long as you're moving forward, you're good. One of my mentors, Jay Meziot, when I was in the nightclub business, 
Um, I had progressed from one nightclub. We had this nightclub in Raleigh, North Carolina. It was actually in Durham next to Duke University called Parazod. And it was one of the first. I started out with a little teeny nightclub. <clears throat> in fact, I actually started out doing nightlife at my house. I had this little apartment. I'll never forget it. It was on Lime Bay Lane. This is where I met Herman, Ben. And so I had this Lime Bay Lane, and I was like, you know what? I'm good at promoting. I can get a lot of people. So I, I love the UFC. I was doing MMA. I've done martial arts stuff for a long time, and I was doing MMA, and I was like, I'm going to invite all my MMA friends, and let's watch. This is back UFC, like, whatever. There's so many UFCs. Now it's like UFC 6,342. <laughs> this is like UFC whatever, 50 or something. And I said, guys, come over to my house. We're going to watch the um, fight. But I didn't have much money. So when they all came over, I had a TV, I shit you not, that was like this big. They were pissed. It was like 10 guys trying to look at this little fight. So I had a roommate, I was like, named Navon. I'm like, Navon, I'm gonna do this again. There's another UFC fight in a month, but we need a bigger TV. But I couldn't afford it. So a big TV was like a thousand bucks. So I said, let's rent one. I'll never forget, we rented a rent -a center TV. It was $300, and I remember being like, 300 bucks, man, this is gonna be, I don't know if I can swing this. But me and Navon were like, well, we'll, we'll ask people, volunteer to pay, we'll order pizza and we'll ask them to volunteer 10 or 20 bucks. So I did that and like 30 people came and on average put in 20 bucks, so $600. So after I paid the pizza and the TV, I like, made a hundred bucks and I was like yeah okay so then the next one we did one and so many people came because I told people to invite their friends that the apartment complex got mad I had a little apartment I think 120 people came and this is like a little two-bedroom 800 900 square foot place so I go all right next evolution right I didn't even know I didn't even have a video like this guiding me but the next thing I did was uh, I asked my friend, I had been to this little place, it was called Verde, it was a teeny little club, it was, but it, it wasn't too teeny, it probably hold 150 people, maybe 200 at a time. So I go to the owner, his name was Giorgio Batoxias, I forget how I met him, I think a friend of a friend's like, go talk to Giorgio, he opened this new place called Verde, go there. So I go to this place, I said, Giorgio, can I use this, I'll bring like 200 people. He goes, alright Ty, if you pay for the DJ, uh, I'll let you um, keep the door cost, keep the door, and I'll keep the money from the bar. Because I didn't have a liquor license, but legally I could take the door without money. This is where I still didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't have any bouncers. So when people came to the door of Verde to my event that night, I had like my friend Herman, who was like a skinny dude, be like 10 bucks. And guys would be like, fuck you, and just keep walking by. So we made no money that time because Herman wasn't tough enough to keep people out. That's why I started getting a whole bunch of big guys to work for me, because it's a lot better when a big ass dude goes, give me the 10 bucks or I'm gonna throw your ass on the house. So that first one, I made no money. But then, the second one, I started to figure it out. So I made my mistakes small. Always make your mistakes small. Don't make $18 million and then make your mistake then. Lose 18 million. So I made that small mistake. The next one was big, and it was so big that the owner, Giorgio, came to me and he said, I got a restaurant next door. This one holds 500 people. You wanna use that one? So I took over that one. Now you get 500 people paying you 20 bucks at the door, how much do you make? $10,000 cash. 
So I graduated from that. Remember back then, $1,000 was like a mind-blowing sum of money for me. All of a sudden, I made 10 Gs, cash. I remember being in the back with Herman, and we, we were like, pretend we were like Godfather, like Pacino. And we were like, we'd stack it up. Like, never seen 10 grand back then. So, again, we went from there to completely packed out of that place. A senator lived above that building, and he got pissed. And I was the saddest day of my life up to that point. I promoted that shit and got good at being, you know, if you're faithful with a little, you'd be entrusted with more. I took that 500 person place and it was the hottest party in all of North Carolina. People would come from two hours away. Everybody wanted to end in that party. And I told Herman one day, I said, I'm gonna up the door price to a hundred bucks. Now we let women in free. Pretty women in free. All, all women, okay, I'm not gonna discriminate against women. But. That's probably breaking some law, but this was a long time ago. I got my lawyer here, but we would, I think it's actually legal to charge men and women differently. Most clubs do it. So all of a sudden, all these pretty women would come in. They, we let them in and all these dudes at the door, we just upped the price from 20 to 100 bucks. And I was like, no one's gonna pay. And people just started whipping out $100 bills. And I was like, that one of my happiest days of my life because I had promoted that night so well. It was first Friday, it was the first Friday of my that there was a one block line of people. I did the math. I was gonna make $100,000 cash in about 30 minutes. There was at least a thousand people waiting in line. So this is where it became sad. You make your mistakes small. I'm sitting there counting my money before I even have it. I remember being like, 100 grand. This is what I'm gonna do with it. I'm gonna buy this, that, I'm gonna take vacation. Here comes his truck. Pulls up. A guy comes out looking a little official with two other guys with him. He walks up to the door and goes, where's the dude running this thing? And I was like, proud, like, that's me. He goes, hi, I'm the fire marshal. How many people can you have in on this place? And I think the sign said 450. And he goes, how long is that long? How many people in that line? I was like, oh, I don't know. I pretended I didn't know. I figured out it was like a thousand outside. They weren't in yet, they weren't in. He goes, here's the deal. I'll never forget, he was eating a sandwich doing this to me. He goes, I mean, he goes, my two guys with me, they're hungry. I'm gonna go to Subway. If I come back here and you let all those people in, I'm gonna put you in handcuffs and put you in jail. And I was like, he goes, I'm gonna go through the whole place and count. I was like, motherfucker, in my head. I was like, yes sir, I didn't wanna go to jail. So I let in whatever the amount was, 450 people, exactly probably made 45,000, I don't remember how much, cash, and just watched $55,000 go in their car and drive off. So you know what I learned? Get a bigger venue. So I went to Georgia, I said, you got any bigger restaurants? And him and his business partner Jay said, we got one in Chapel Hill by UNC, it's called Spice Street. Then I went to Spice Street, had double the capacity. Then I could have six, 800 people in, in a party at a time. So the point being is I, went up step by step and then I started having a huge event uh, at that place legally and could make more money. So the moral of the story is if I would have gone from my small place and tried to jump to Spice Street, which was a huge place, I would have made every one of those mistakes wrong. I wouldn't have had bouncers the first day, had 500 people show up and nobody pay because they all pushed their way through. I would have made that mistake. And that was expensive to throw that bigger event. I had DJ, it was more expensive. I would have lost 20 grand. I wouldn't have known how to promote as well. 
You know, I wouldn't, there's nine, ten things. I wouldn't have understood fire code. And so the good news is when you slowly build your success, you have fun along the way. I had fun when I had 200 people at Verde. It was a lot of fun. 200 people parties are fun. I had fun at Parazod with 500 people. And I had fun at Spice Street with, you know, 800 people. So it's not like one was more fun than the other. Each one had their own adventures, but the beauty was I made money all along the way. I made my mistakes small. And if I could go back in time, I wouldn't do much different. I'd do a few things different, but step by step, you get ahead. Are you rushing to get rich? All you're doing is rushing to trip and fall. That's what you're really doing. Don't be in a hurry to fall. <laughs> Don't be like, ah, I want to break my face on the, on the stairs. Go slowly. You'll be fine. Joel Salatin used to tell me, make haste slowly. I've had some people come work for me at a company and like, Ty, I'm coming to work for you because I'm going to, you know, I got, we got 29 people that I brought here, uh, some of my office on a little business retreat in Palm Springs. I've had people come work for me, they're like, Ty, I'm coming to work for you because I want to learn how to do big things, da, da, da. One month in, they're like, wait a sec, I'm not doing big things yet. I'm like, that's because you haven't earned the right. You, if I gave you something big, you would just create a big disaster. So make haste slowly. That's what Joel Salatin is telling. Make haste slowly. Meaning, be in a hurry, but be in a hurry slowly. And uh, you see that in pro athletes, the best athletes, even when the most high-pressure event, you know, Super Bowl is coming up. I'm giving away two Super Bowl tickets. Whoever, by the time you watch this, will probably be the Super Bowl. You see these quarterbacks who make amazing, game-winning, history-making uh, uh, plays, what does it say? They're like, time slowed down for me. I was able to think through. Anytime you see a quarterback or a soc soccer player or a basketball player who gets all frantic at the end, they're going to lose. All the champions, some of the greatest shots in history were by people who settled down, relaxed, took a deep breath, and let the thing come to them versus just getting all frantic. And so when it comes to making money, people get frantic. They're like, Ty, I hate my life. I have no money. I got to learn how to make a million dollars. I'm like, why? You only got to, if you make no money, figure out how to make 70,000. That'll feel like a lot more. And then figure out how to make 100,000. And then figure out how to make 150, then 200. If you go ahead every single day, if you never go backwards, and that, that's, that's what I meant to say in this whole video. Finally got around to it. That Jay Meziot, that one of those restaurant owners that was a mentor, 20, 30 years older than me, he said, because one time I asked him, hey, we're at Spice Street. This is such a big place. It's a lot of stress sometimes to get enough people in it. Should I go back to George, uh, to Parazod, which is a smaller place? And he said, I'll never forget. He didn't say much. He turned to me and said, never go backwards. I never forgot that. Now sometimes when I'm overwhelmed and I'm doing big things, and I'm like, wow, it'd be easier to go back. Don't go backwards, but don't go forward too fast. Just you do that every single year of your life, 10 years from now, five years from now, you'll be blown away where you are. Do the math. Did you know if you compound money? I'll just show you something with, with math. This is why I don't particularly love the school system. The average school child who goes through the elementary school system in New York State, I read, taxpayer dollars is over $200,000 spent. Okay, 200000 so by the time they're 18 years old, 200 grand. What that means is if there was no school, taxpayers could have just handed that kid 200 grand, put it into an investment account. 
let's see how valuable 200 grand is with the compounding of money. Let's say money was invested at uh, 7% a year, okay? That means every 10 years that amount of money would double. I'm gonna show you this. But let's just say at age 20, instead of all that taxpayer money going to education that kids don't even remember what they learned, and I'm not saying you would do this, just hypothetically, you put 200 grand in a bank account. You invest it, not too aggressively, 7% is a somewhat reasonable assumption. Okay, at age 30, that's 10 years later, the money would double. The rule, it's called the law of 72. You divide the interest rate into the number 72, it tells you how long it will take to double your money. So seven into 72 is 10, right? Roughly. So every 10 years, the money will double. So age 20 goes from 200,000. At age 30, 400,000. Age 40, what's next? 800,000. Age 50, 1.6 million. Age 60, 3.2 million. Age 70, 6.4. Most people retiring at 70. The average American retires at age 70 with $60,000. Would you rather have $6.4 million? Well, people say, well, if without an education system, motherfuckers wouldn't have any money saved for retirement. Yes, they would. Put, 200, put that 200 grand instead of wasting it on isosceles triangle shit for kids. People, it's not like between age six and 18, if you don't have shitty schools, kids will just sit around and vegetate. They'll learn some other way. That's what Joel Salatin used to always say. He said, this argument against education, people use straw man logical fallacies. There you go, Ben. Here's a straw man fallacy. When I bring this up, you go, oh, what you're saying is don't have schools, so kids are just gonna sit around and do nothing for, from age six and 18 and be idiots? No, that's a straw man argument. You're making a bullshit argument and then you're beating it up and showing how strong you are. What would actually happen is between six and 18, kids could go do shit, have them go travel, have them spend time with an uncle who owns a business or an aunt, have them go, to their parents, go with their parents to a job, learn how real shit works. Go play sports so you're not, every kid in America wouldn't be fat. You could do other stuff and you could save the 200,000 and even if you say, well, Ty, we won't, that's not realistic, let's just save half the money. Spend 100000 on the public school system. Have shorter classes. Why do kids have to go to school from 9, 8 to 3? The fuck is that about? Bullshit. Have kids go for, I know why, is because parents use it as babysitting. So it's a good way to get rid of the kids. But a society that gets rid of the kids is not smart. A society should integrate children into the whole system. Integrate the kids in. So let's say you spend hundred grand, you only do half the school day. Instead of just bogging kids down with mindless work so that you have an expensive babysitter, it's very expensive. Kids go to school from eight to 12, then have more time to do practical shit like learn languages, travel, do musical instruments, hang out with friends, socialize. So now you put 100,000 of that taxpayer dollar in every kid's account at age 20, you'll have $3.2 million when they retire. You don't need social security. All you politicians don't know jack shit about money. You don't need social security. Every motherfucker in America would have $3.2 million in their bank account. Argue with that logic. Anybody have it. No, nobody can argue with this because people lie but numbers don't. You might argue that they won't get 7% return on their money. That's too uh, aggressive. Okay, do 4%. It'll still be a couple million. Right now, people are retiring with $60,000 in their bank account, having to work at Walmart, can't pay prescription drugs, it all gets loaded up on taxpayer dollars. No, the system's rigged. It's fucked. No one ever thought it through. It's so simple. 
It's so simple. Now, I know some of this will be complicated to put into effect, but it's also complicated to not put it in effect. Ever think of that? People go, oh, Todd, this is so impractical not to do. Well, it's also impractical to have a whole bunch of people retire with 60 grand. You're gonna literally have a shitload of adults gonna be on Medicaid in crappy nursing homes because they have no money. Can't leave any legacy to their kids, can't leave any money to their grandkids, broke. So this is a much better system. That's a whole nother, don't even get me started. I'm like, and anybody from a teacher union or any educational thing, if you have any cogent, logical, rebuttal to what I'm saying. I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to. But you can't come with bullshit fallacies or I will call you out in a millisecond. If you want the chance to enter into one of my free giveaways, here's all you have to do. Number one, subscribe to my podcast. And then secondly, leave an honest review of my podcast. What do you think of it? All right. I pick random reviewers to win either an iPhone 7, a GoPro Black, a MacBook Air, iPad, Kindle, and then I've been doing these uh, once a month free car giveaways, giving away a Mustang or Camaro to one random social media follower, podcast followers are entered into that too. So you get your free chance to enter, just leave an honest review and make sure you subscribe to my podcast. All right, I hope you win one of the giveaways. Talk to you soon. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever it is you like to listen so that you don't miss out on any new episodes as they come out.